Good morning. It's 24th of January, 2024. And just when you thought people were thinking the Cardinal Fernandez story was probably behind us, more weird writings by him have come to light and they undermine his entire claim that the book that we were all talking about two weeks ago was just the product of a youthful indiscretion. And it begs a question, and it's a something I want you to really consider. Which of the following two ideas are worse? Is it worse to write a book that is merely impure fiction and impure details of allegedly real encounters? Or is it worse to write theology that embraces impurity as a teaching document? My money is on the latter being worse because while the first is a can your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease cause a lot of people to fall into sin when they read such material. The other actually endorses evil and sin and leads them astray. And the reason this question is important is because the purveyor of this stuff is the current prefect for the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. New books by him have come to light, where these writings of his are built on from that initial book we talked about from the mid-1990s. So for this stuff, we're going to start with the New Daily Compass, which there's not a lot of reporting on this, which is incredible. Now, I can't actually even read that headline for you on this platform. So for those of you watching on a, either live here or later on one of the alternative platforms when I upload this there, there's a headline. I can't read it for you. I'm sorry for those on audio only, but you get the idea um, or any popular platform will punish me severely for reading that headline, but he has this whole this ideology, this theology of the apex of the marital act and how it can cause unity with you and God. It's some bizarro world stuff. And he's been writing about this stuff for 30 years or close to it. Again, youthful indiscretion, he says. <laughs> Let me give you an idea of this. So from the article, quote, there is more than the initial book he wrote. Even if Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez tried to pass off his 1998 book and its hot contents to a single youthful mistake, just a glance at his complete bibliography reveals this is not the case. After the media uproar caused by the circulation of some salacious chapters from the work written when he was 36 years old, the prefect for the doctrine of the faith defended himself to Info Vaticana by claiming that he had blocked the book immediately after its release and had asked for it to not be reprinted for fear of being misunderstood. But the Daily Compass has discovered that Fernandez continued to talk about the uh, apex of the act and related body parts in his theological essays even after 1998. In 2004, in fact, the current prefect reintroduced the concept in question, which he has here in Spanish, and I can't pronounce that properly, but the, but the article or the book was published by Sao Paulo, a concept already expressed in his book that we were all talking about two weeks ago. He talks about how the word of God that invites us to stop on, quote, everything, on every person, on every small pleasure, on every activity, he wrote on page 13. So quoting the book, when our whole being is unified in one direction, then we come to true encounter, fusion, 
perfect union, even if only for a few minutes. It is not necessarily a matter of physical stillness because this experience can also occur in the midst of the excitement of very intense activity. This happens, for example, in the apex of the act in question between two people who love each other. End quote. Why he has such an interest in that is remarkable because he's written several books about it. Now, it's worth noting that his late 1990s book was written off as youthful indiscretion. That's obviously a lie for a few reasons, and it's important to this context of new books having come out. First reason is it's uh, writing a book is actually labor intensive. It takes a long time to write a book. I know because I wrote a doctoral dissertation at the end of my PhD program, and I keep trying to motivate myself to start writing a book now. The whole thing takes a long time to do. A protracted period of youthful indiscretion is not a youthful indiscretion. It's a completely distorted sense of judgment that you fully embrace. You cannot have a youthful indiscretion that lasts for months and months and months and months. It, that's not how it works. Second, he was 36 when he wrote the first book. That's well beyond the age of youthful indiscretions. I know it's in vogue now in the in sort of the normal, typical parish to have youth groups that, in, that let people participate from the age of 16 to 40, but that's... That's a modern error. We're not, when you're 36, you're not doing youthful indiscretions anymore. You're well past the age of adulthood. You're not engaging in youthful indiscretions at the age of 36. And then the theory, that segment from the article was quoted from a book that he wrote when he was uh, 40 years old or 42. He doubled down on his errors well past the age that any normal person would consider youthful indiscretion. Let's get back to that article I just cited. So, quote, in a paragraph entitled Stopping... On page 86, Fernandez invited readers to follow the example of Jesus, who was able to stop in front of every human being with his full attention. It gives some practical advice on how to relax the body in order to stop better. Need I continue? We will, just but we're going to be careful here. The exercise recommended by, the pre recommended by the present prefect considered in paying, quote, full attention to one part at a time. It is not a question, Tuco explained, of thinking about the part, imagining it, or visualizing it. It's more a matter of feeling it, perceiving it with purpose, we'll say. It is to experience the what it, it's doing of each part calmly, without judging whether these sensations are good or bad, but trying to make the part in question relax and unwind. The indications were very precise and included a list of uh, parts that were that the present cardinal whose job it is to, def to defend the integrity of the doctrine of the faith and to make sure that priests aren't engaging in the activities he seems to be lauding in this book, he's invited to perceive. It is best to do it more or less in this order. Then he starts reeling off body parts. Most of them are pretty mundane. Jaw, cheekbones, throat, nose, eyes, forehead, and all the small mu muscles of the fake. And he just face, and he keeps going on, including starting to talk about body parts. You really wonder why a priest is focusing on this stuff. Now, according to the Argentine theologian, these exercises should help one to stop before God. Tuco also revealed the results. Any point of the body, pulled that off screen because that was enough of that, we should pick up some sensation of heat, burning, pleasure. No part of the skin is insensitive. Even the sensations are subtle. Finally, it's important to try to capture the totality of the person, becoming aware of everything about them physically. And yeah, I, I quoting that at length is hard. It's really hard because he, this is some, he's gone deep. He's really just gone deep on his idea here. I'm going to take a break as a mental cleanse here to check the live chat. Um, 
yeah, Helen O'Connor is uh, expressing all of our thoughts, I think, when seeing that headline that I pulled off the screen. Um, how can Fernandez get a promotion announced today? Yeah, no, I, we'll get to the promotion he also got. Um, yeah, so good morning to everybody checking into the chat. Dr. Ruth would blush. Yeah, 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 he would. Or yeah, she would. Um, ah, oh, yes. And yes, it is. <laughs> it is actually my birthday. Somebody is uh, pointing that out. The news never stops. So thank you for the birthday wish. Um, but here we are. <laughs> We're going to just brace ourselves and go back to this here. In a 2002 book, the Cardinal actually endorsed immodestly dressing as something that brings people closer to God. And I'm not joking about that. In another paragraph, he says, impure thoughts are a good way to avoid infidelity, which he says is possible when we use the imagination to live out our changing tastes and things of the flesh that happens over the natural course of our life. Now, interestingly enough, though, these books are not listed on his biography on the Vatican website, and I think for obvious reasons. So one more quote from that article, quote, these books do not appear in the list of publications circulated by the Holy See as an attachment to his appointment as the prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith last July. The same fate befell the now famous La, uh, La Passion Mystica, which was perhaps the most striking text, but which in terms of its somehow somewhat morbid style fits in perfectly in Tuco Fernandez's bibliography, end quote. In fact, none of these articles that we're going over right here, or that are we're going over from that New Daily Compass article are actually listed on the Vatican website. He was a priest who was taking a scholarly path. And if you are taking a scholarly path, writing for publication for, in his case, theologians and other priests to read is a natural thing for him. There's probably a lot of articles out there that people have still not found yet. <sighs> Again, thanks for that, for the birthday wishes, folks. It is, uh, it is good. It is also the feast of St. Francis de Sales. <laughs> I should almost uh, do it a St. Francis de Sales thing this weekend, but I already don't. Uh, Dermot Quigley says, according to the Roman Catechism, impure thoughts are dead in the soul and lead to a disregard for God. That's absolutely true. If you've ever noticed that people who fall into impurity will often have a hard time getting back to confession. Why do you think that is? It's a dis disregard for the divine. Um. Well, Elaine, you should fix that and, be, and come back to the Catholic Church. And don't try to lead people out of the church in my comments, in my chat, please. That is an instant ban if people do it. Now, before we go into the next part of the article, if you, you are, if you appreciate work, the kind of work that I do here, please consider becoming a patron or joining us on Subscribestar Patreon or hitting that join button. It does help keep these daily messages coming. It is greatly appreciated. Now, it's worth noting here that I'm going to be appearing on another YouTube channel to discuss this next article and probably some of the above it might be today. It might be tomorrow. I'm going to be with, going on with Tim Gordon sometime in the next 24 hours or 36 hours or so. And he really is the only other person that I've seen covering the story in any great detail in Catholic alternative media anymore. I, there are some other people who do occasionally videos on this, but we seem to be the ones talking about this the most, at least on video platforms. There are articles coming out all the time about this in uh, print. So we'll be discussing this next article for sure that we're about to talk about here, but I want to give you a hint at what we'll be talking about because it's not just that Fernandez has a focus on impurity. Cardinal Fernandez has said, citing the current catechism of the Catholic Church, that habitual sins are not sins at all. 
And that's actually a huge problem with the with the current catechism, and it's anathema to the thinking of the Catholic Church prior to the post-conciliar period. But here's what the article that's been saying, that's been circulating about this is saying, because the problems are not just impurity, but have to do with theology of the matters of the flesh entirely. It has to do with how the church sees, sees and perceives sin and the price of sin. So we go to this article here, and this is uh, from the Catholic thing, which I cite articles from here pretty regularly. It says, multiple texts showing Carmen Fernandez ide fixe. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But this gets to the theology of Carmen Fernandez. So we're just going to go down here to this really important section. And I'll try to make this a little bit bigger because as this is actually written by a Catholic, and I'm not saying the, article, the New Daily Compass people are Catholics. I'm talking about Fernandez, <laughs> right? Um, that... Uh, as this is, uh, there's a little bit more self-restraint in this presentation of Fernandez's ideas than we see from what was being extensively cited in that New Daily Compass article. So, again, when we're talking about sin, this is how the church perceives sin. When we are told it's habitual, so it's not a problem, that's at odds with everything the church stood for before the 1960s. This is one of those areas where life is different in the church now than before. So the article begins by positing two examples to get to a sort of a central question. Can you have the grace of God and be a saint if you engage in mortal sin regularly and as part of the way that you see yourself, meaning if you identify with your sins? Now, the answer, according to the faith, is no. But Fernandez has a, has a different take, predictably. It's from the Catholic Thing article by Michael Pakaluk wrote, he says, quote, Yes, the priest and theologian Victor Manuel Fernandez opined in the 1999 article, the mysticism of tending to another, meaning you can be in a state of grace and receive sanctifying grace and be a good Catholic and a saint if you are falling into committing things the church declares to be sins on a regular basis. The key, Fernandez says, is to grasp what the catechism of the Catholic Church teaches. Quote, imputability and responsibility for an action can be diminished or even nullified by ignorance, inadvertence, duress, fear, habit, inor inordinate attachments, and other psychological or social factors. Let's pause here. Imputability and responsibility can be diminished or even nullified by not knowing what the sin that it's a sin. Fair. Inadvertence, meaning, I mean, if you're talking about sins of the flesh, I guess doing things when you're asleep because you're not really making choices then. I Sure, I guess. Duress, fear. I, I mean, I would take that up with the saints who gave everything, who got the red crown of the martyrs because they would not engage in certain kinds of sins that Cardinal Fernandez wants to make okay. Uh, habit? Well, again, there are saints who would disagree greatly with that statement. Inordinate attachments, I'm not even sure what that means, and others to grasp the and psychological or social factors. Social factors? Now think about that. So again, there are many of us who do not use the current catechism because it is filled with a lot of things that don't even make sense, like this. And these are critical issues here. Therefore, says Fernandez, quote, a life of grace can coexist with actions which are objectively evil, yet for which a person is not fully responsible. Can you be in a state of grace engaging in those kinds of activities? Yes or no? Catholic answer before at least this catechism was published and before Fernandez was writing this stuff was no. Morality and mysticism can diverge, Fernandez observes. Morality and mysticism can diverge. It's a fascinating idea. Morality becomes relative under this idea. They can diverge. You can still have like the mystical experiences of 
being in a state of grace while engaging in activities that conflict with the church's teaching of morality, which then begs the question, what's the point? In people like uh, one of the examples there from a movie that the author used, quote, there can be a genuine gift of oneself to another in which the procession of the spirit is prolonged together with a beautiful experience in which the procession of the sun is prolonged, but coexisting with ethical defects. I can accept the positive interpretation which some commenters have placed on the film. They're talking about a very specific film. I'm not going to say the name of it because I know that there are people out there who are, who wrestle with in, inclinations towards impurity and will be tempted if they know the name of certain kinds of films and things to look them up because that's how it works, unfortunately. But they're talking about a film in which a, a, the wife of uh, somebody's wife, well, the husband in this mar in this marriage, in this film has something really bad happen to the point where he is, completely immobilized and he asks his wife to break their marriage vows in in just blunt overt ways and then let him to allow him to well be told about the experience that she has with others in in sort of detail and this apparently according to this author the uh, the film gets really salacious but it also details how it just really weighs heavily on her which is I guess, you know, at least honest of the filmmakers. But the point Fernandez is saying when quote when talking about this is that yes, it can actually be a holy experience for her to break her marriage vows. Even if her husband is the one telling her to do it. Now, in another article the same year, again citing the same section of the catechism, Fernandez says, quote, fools can also be in God's grace, even if they commit objectively grave actions but are not guilty. Holiness can coexist with psychic disturbances to the point that a madman can be holier, living a more intense degree of charity than a completely sane and healthy person. Once we reject Pelagianism, we see that, quote, there is no preparation that can merit friendship with God, which transcends us. So here's how this works. Pausing here, this quote, he takes true statements like there is nothing we can do on this earth to merit God's grace. God, God's grace is a gift that we have to open ourselves to. There's nothing we can do to merit our salvation. He's taking that central concept of Catholicism and then twisting it. So the author continues saying, for all we know, such friendship may be granted to those who objectively are committing grave sins. Really? <laughs> These articles were written the same time as Fernandez's book on the apex of the act in question. I do not accept that the book is something he can now disclaim, not that he has ever done so. He was 36 years old, not a callow youth. He was not 16 when he wrote that. He was 36. Already a widely published scholar. That's the key word there, is scholar. He was a theologian of the modern school when he wrote this stuff. The book then must be imputed to his, mat his mature character and his considered judgment. End quote. Remember how Francis... Was told Fernandez told us that Francis knew all about this stuff when he was hired. Think about that. In other words, if the sin is natural or habitual, it's not really a sin. That's what Fernandez is saying. And you can receive sanctifying grace while continuing to engage in activities prescribed by the church. In a latter article, Fernandez embraces the secular notion that the James Martin crowd are naturally inclined towards their sins. And thus, while the church teaches against what they do, those in that group are not losing their sanctifying grace and can thus approach Holy Communion and the sacraments. Ladies and gentlemen, that's your prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith. Now, it's worth noting here that it came to light in the past few days that the English language translation of Fiducia's supplicants differs from other translations of the document on the Vatican website. The English is the only translation that attempts to separate individuals from couples, while the other translations only say couples. 
in terms of who can be blessed, meaning they were deceiving the English-speaking world when they published their English translation because they knew the pushback the document would come mostly from those in the United States and the UK and Canada and a few other places. Again, if you notice that most of your Catholic traditional commentators are North Americans, that's not a coincidence. I'm trying to figure out exactly why that is. Maybe it's because we're not so far gone as, you know, our cousins over in Europe on in broadly speaking, but I don't think that's the reason. And I don't think it's even true anyway. But most of us are here in North America. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. But the Vatican has certainly noticed it because their English language version is different than the one, say, for German, Spanish, et cetera, et cetera. That's also worth noting that it was announced two days ago that Fernandez is now a member of the Dicastery for the Cause of Christian Unity and is still prefect of the DDF. This is not unusual. Uh, I believe it was Diane Montagna or another Catholic journalist on Twitter said, pointed out yesterday that this is actually not unusual, that the prefect for the Dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith would also have an important role in the, the Dicastery for Christian Unity. And this his appointment there increases his Papabile, meaning his the likelihood that he will ever that he could become at least on paper qualified to be pope. I know many of you will have that a hard time wrapping your head around that one, but that's absolutely true. Okay, so we got a Catholic ethics using his his uh, channel member super chat says one is not a good way of avoiding another sin. This man needs major prayers. Yeah, I this is. Fernandez needs that people. We, I actually almost think we should start a 54 day novena for the, the sort of the illumination of conscience for Cardinal Fernandez. And also, uh, before we started, uh, Dr. Gemma, who's a new member of the channel, said became a YouTube channel member. Thank you very much, both of you, for that. I'm going to uh, scroll back through here, the, the live chat. Um, again, thank you for the birthday wishes. Hope I can get all my relatives together. Most of my fa my family and my wife's family all live in the Portland metro area, but for the most part, so that's unlikely. I'll be using it today to you know, when when you're when you're an adult, when you're when you're like the, a father, you your birthday becomes kind of a different kind of thing than it was when you were younger, right? So, you know, we're gonna do stuff for the kids and things today. <laughs> How long can uh, Pope Francis sustain the pressure to get rid of Cardinal Fernandez and his and his wicked writings? Well. That's the thing. I may riff on this more here in the coming days because there, but Damien Thompson, he's the editor of the, he's associate editor of the spectator. So this is mainstream journalist, right? He says, um, Francis thanked the, uh, had this meeting with, with journalists in the Vatican where he said, quote, I would like to add the delicacy that you so often have in speaking of scandals in the church. He said this to the Vatican press corps. There are some and many times I have seen in you a great delicacy, a respect, and almost, I say, abashed silence. Thank you for this attitude. What does that mean? That means that he's thanking them for not reporting on all the bad news coming out of the Vatican. So what kind of pressure is he getting, Francis? is probably not that much. The bishops on fiducia supplicants have mostly backed down at this point. Uh, you're going to get a few more statements, sure, from bishops and dioceses saying they're not going to push the stuff. Beyond that, we've gotten what we're going to get. So I don't think there is any more pressure coming. Oh, Alex, Alexis reminds, reminds us of Maciel. Yeah. Again, the Vatican... Uh, 
they the in the 80s and 90s they survived that mess so i mean france this is pretty low tier compared to that um how much more heresy is going to come out of the dicastery of the doctrine of faith before action is taken what what action there there is no check against uh if they, they accept francis as the pope so there's no, there's no action they can take against him Deborah says if, if Fernandez ever becomes Pope, he'd be an anti-Pope. Well, I, I think the chances of him becoming Pope are pretty small unless he takes some extraordinary action, which could include disqualifying anybody, any cardinal from participating in the conclave who's ever spoken out against Francis. That could be the case. That that would not surprise me if a motu proprio came out that way. Then you, they would get rid of Mueller and Burke and uh, Cardinal Seurat and pretty much any of the other bit better bishops that you'd want to see as Pope. Hill Summit says, so are those who adhere to the stray ways introduced equal apostates falling away from the faith? Well, I mean, there, I would go so far as to suggest that there are apostates who are on paper still members of the church, but, and have official positions in the church. Raven asks a basic question. Can anyone pray the rosary while on the treadmill? I do it while walking outdoors. So I extend it to the gym. Yeah. I've prayed the rosary in the shower before. I've prayed the rosary while cutting my grass. You can do it. The people pray it while driving. You can do. You can pray a rosary anytime that you can keep your enough mental focus to do it properly. Happy birthday! What is my feast day today? Um, well, today's also the feast of Saint Francis de Sales. So, but yeah, it is my birthday, and it's his feast day today. I always have to look that up because it's the feast day in the 1962 calendar. I don't know if it was moved on the new calendar or not. I don't have a ordinary form calendar in my house. Evelyn says, all that is hidden eventually becomes uncovered. Fernandez probably has a treasure trove of diabolical penmanship yet to service. I, this is what I'm suggesting because that book that launched all this came out in 1998. The article I started with cited two articles from from uh, 2002 and 2004, or two books, meaning there's probably more out there. Now, at some point, he did get uh, that initial book removed from the databases. And I talked to somebody who has experience publishing books. They say it's hard to do, but it's not, but it, it can be done. And that uh, publishing houses, the publisher who of a book has a way of unpublishing books. So that is, um, it's possible that there's a lot more been uh, wiped away. All right. Trisha Katz says, say, Timothy is the mass in office for today in the 1962. Yeah, I just looked on the I just looked on an online calendar though for the 1962 liturgical calendar. So today St. Francis to sale. So this is what I'm going with. How is Pope Francis not disturbed by his close friends' writings? Well, because he knew about them. And Francis has a long history of promoting men like this to key positions in the curia. This is just the most overt one. All right, folks. Um if there's any final thoughts in the chat, I will entertain them now. Otherwise, um, I will try just keep it keep it uh, an eye on Tim Gordon's channel. I will be um, probably doing a live stream with him today or tomorrow to go over this in more detail. Uh, and as always, the thanks for tuning in today. And as always, pray for the church, folks. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>